I'm going to tell you my secret now. I see the greatest movie of all time. Today on the podcast, The Sixth Sense. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide For a silly spook, place it by your side Shrouded in a dark disguise They pretend to terrorize Grimly ghosts out to socialize Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the whole effing show, Rick Barrasso, and me, the narcissist, Derek Smith. There he goes. Good. I, you know what? Point yeah, to Derek. I knew That's it. a good one. I, I thought of it. I thought That's of it. That's a good one. All right. All right. We're, we're going to watch. Oh, wait, are you agreeing because I am a narcissist? Because I'm not. I mean, let's move you on. Know what? I don't know <laughs> I mean, you're literally staring into a mirror flexing right now, so I don't know what, what, to, what right. to make of that comment. So uh, we're gonna. This is the show. We're gonna watch every single movie ever made, and we are gonna help decide which is the greatest of them all. And today, we have a very special guest, my lovely wife, Jen Barrasso. Hello. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. Not bad. Um, not bad. Excellent. Well, I am excited to talk about our subject today the sixth sense but let's take care of some business first last week we continued our journey into the best picture nominees from the year 2000 when we took our deep dive into the cider house rules and that's a movie we didn't really love but maybe you feel differently listen to that episode or subscribe to our show and listen to all of our back catalog on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever fine podcasts are found and of course let us know your thoughts on social media we are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook, at Great Movie Cast on Twitter, at Rick and Rec on Instagram, which I'm told is going to be updated at some point. And you can always email us at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, as our dear friend Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. Dear friend. De- dear friend, close friend of the show, future guest Bruce Wayne. We are out of New England. We've said goodbye to the princes of Maine and the kings of New England. And we are going to the streets of Philadelphia as all of M. Night Shyamalan's movies take place in oh, that I you, city. I thought you meant Rocky for a second. Darn it. Oh, man. M. Night should direct the next Rocky movie. Streets of Philly, you figure Rocky. That would be an interesting twist. What a twist! He he like he goes back in time and wins the first side of, wins the first fight against Apollo. It's the, it's the M Night twist. But anyway, we were talking about the Sixth Sense, and that is a 1999 M Night Shyamalan supernatural drama kind of horror movie. It's got Bruce Willis as Doctor Malcolm Crow, Haley Joel Osment as Cole Sear, and Tony Collette as Lynn Sear. It's got an 8.1 on the Internet Movie Database and 86 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and only a 64% on Metacritic. Metacritic's been, uh, Metacritic-Rotten Tomato uh, split in the last couple episodes has been pretty significant. Yeah, Metacritic is, uh, is like the, the, the dark horse. They're buzzkills the last, last couple of weeks. So, I mean, Sixth Sense, it's, it's one of the more famous movies, I think, of the 90s, uh, in the late 90s, and that, you know, early 2000s, that period. And when when did we first see this, Jen? When did you first? Do you remember first seeing Sixth Sense, or you know, at least around the time you saw it, your initial thoughts about it? Um, I did. I didn't see it when it first came out. I definitely saw it a little bit after that. I was probably around thirteen or fourteen when I saw it, so maybe a couple of years after it came out. And I remember really liking it when it came out. But I have a really bad habit of uh, trying to like solve movies as I'm watching them or trying to figure out the end of the movie before it, it gets revealed, like a little game I like to play with myself when I'm watching them, which ends up kind of ruining the movie. So I don't know why I do it, but I do it. But I remember like very early on in the movie, figuring out that Bruce Willis was dead, like less what? than 20 minutes in. <laughs> Spoilers. I know. No. <laughs> what Do you remember what tipped you off? It was the scene where um, she walks out of the kitchen and then she walks back in and all the cabinet doors are open. And uh, Haley Joel Osment is like gripping the table and he 
like is really freaked out, but she can't figure out why he's freaked out. And he's pretending that everything is fine. And then when he leaves the room, there's a handprint on the table at the end. And like the handprint gradually vanishes and you see her kind of look at it. And I, and I was just thinking about like in the previous scene where she saw him and then knowing like this kid is sees ghosts. That's interesting. That's, that's a, not the scene I would have guessed would have tipped it off, but I mean, good, good eye. Derek, do you remember your experience seeing the movie the first time? I do. I remember it was a total of four days ago. Um, <laughs> right, right. You said so last week. I do yeah. remember it. I do remember How's that fondly. possible? It's crazy. It's one of those movies that just avoided me. And you know, I knew it about it when it came out. I knew what happened at the end. I forget who told me, but I remember knowing like, what happened. Um, and I think the reason I didn't watch it is because of that. I, I kind of was like, well, the shock is over. So I'm not, am I going to even enjoy mm-hmm. this? Plus, I'm not the biggest Bruce Willis fan in the world. So I was like, am I going to enjoy this movie? But hey, we were forced to watch it this time. So I watched it. And <laughs> even knowing the ending, I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I think one of the most effective things, I tried to watch this movie this time thinking like, what would it have been like going in cold? Because even if you didn't know the twist going in, and I I did, there was a, my my mother was a hairdresser and there was like a, I was 99, so I was 10 or 11. And there was this like older teenager that worked with my mother who would like hang out with me and my brother and the like some like a couple cousins and just kind of entertain us while they they were all working a lot of the time and for some reason we were like what happens in this movie and she was just like like horror movies we wouldn't have seen otherwise because at, at the time I really wouldn't have had anyone to bring me to this and I was like what happens in this what happens in Sixth Sense what happens in Blair Witch I think was out at the same time. And I just like, I found out what happened, but even the commercials kind of gave away the, I see dead people part of it. So that I, right. And I was trying to think like, if I gone, if I went into this absolutely cold and like, or even just knowing there was a twist, the buildup to what's up with this kid is so effective, mm-hmm. even beyond the what's up with Bruce Willis, like what's this kid's issue. And like, Bruce Willis putting it together or Malcolm Crow putting it together. I, I think it really works. So we've talked about us seeing it. And if you somehow like Derek have not seen this movie and you've kind of half been paying attention and didn't listen to us basically tell you the twists and, and the plot of the movie, I am going to tell you the plot of the sixth sense. So Derek, as we know, instead of using a stopwatch, instead of using a clock, Instead of counting in his head, Derek times this out by choosing a song on Spotify. Derek, what song will you be timing out my 30-second description with today? I have chosen A Hard Knock Life by Jay-Z. Solid choice. Solid choice, right? I'm not even a big hip-hop fan, but this song gets me. Maybe because I'm a musical fan. Coming to the greatest album of all time? No. Soon? No? No Jay Z episode. <laughs> no, no, no Jay Z anytime soon. No, I'm sorry. Okay, I, uh, I'm basing that mostly on rock and roll. So. But eventually, right, Derek? Uh, well, he, <laughs> well, well, Derek doesn't make the claim he'll listen to every album of all time. Yeah, uh, I don't so, make that claim. I'm much more stingy. Yeah, he just what he thinks might be some of the greatest albums of all time. But Derek, <laughs> count me down. All right, three, <clears throat> two, one, go. Malcolm Crow, a child psychologist, is shot by one of his former patients who he couldn't help years before. Sometime later, he begins working with Cole, a boy showing the same behaviors, which are first attributed to his parents' recent divorce. Turns out he sees dead people. Malcolm realizes his attacker had the same problem. He and Cole realize the ghosts are looking for help, and then they can move on. Then Malcolm, after a long while of thinking his wife has been particularly distant, comes to terms with the fact that he is dead, having been killed by the man who shot him. 26 seconds. All right. Oh, I just wanted to keep that going. Bumping. <laughs> Indeed. Instead of, well, Derek, instead of treated, you got tricked. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. See, you're good. You're good at words. I am. I'm great at words. <laughs> words are some of my favorite things. So we, we've talked about it. We all, we all like the movie. Let's talk about some of the stuff in particular that we did like. 
And as we do every week, we're going to go through our three favorite scenes. Jen, what's your number three scene? Hmm. Okay. My number three scene uh, was when Cole first, were, what I think is the first scene where Cole sees dead people, not including Bruce Willis, because at the time we don't know Bruce Willis is dead. Um, but it's when he is, uh, he just finished the school play and he's walking with Bruce Willis down the hallway and, you know, we're, we're following Bruce Willis as he continues down the hallway and all of a sudden we notice that Cole has stopped. He turns and the camera follows Cole's gaze and you see people hanging um, from the doorway. Um, and then this is kind of when Cole reveals that uh, he sees dead people and talks about kind of those like tingly sensations you get when you are around dead people and and he's giving us all this information about um, kind of those physical and and kind of psychological feelings you get when they're around and I think it's one of those things where like, I think we've all kind of felt those feelings before at one time or another. And it kind of just makes you think like, oh, maybe that was a dead person. It's a great scene. I'm going to make two observations about it. Yeah. One, I think it's great because in a lesser movie, when you see the people hanging, there'd be this big like symbol crash or some like crazy musical cue. And there's just not. And we're just just in this kid's world now. We're just seeing what he's seeing. And it's yeah. almost nonchalant. It's so great. Two, the rules with, of ghosts in this movie are the exact same as Casper. So I think it's a shared universe. <laughs> I can see it. Because Casper, I believe, does say, you know, that tingly stuff when your foot falls asleep. I'm think, I'm think I'm made of that. <laughs> he definitely says that he yeah. says that and basically Haley Joel Osment says the same thing so I think shared universe let's get a crossover going make it happen oh, yeah 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 Derek what's your uh what's your number three scene oh that scene's so good it really is I actually picked a, a much smaller scene for my number three and it was a scene that kind of got me it kind of like made me like oh shit it was the um when he sees that boy and he's like, let me show you my dad's gun. And he turns around and he's this big horn. Mm. That's the, the point of the movie where I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I, like out loud. Um, that was so eerie. I think you're right. I think about the music. Like I, I don't think those moments have a lot of music to them. I think they're just kind of like quiet and eerie. Right. And it's the, I mean, yeah. that's why they work so well. But um, yeah, I ended up after the movie was over, I kept asking Gia cause she had seen it before. And I was like, do you think like his dad shot him or did he shoot himself or did like a friend shoot him? And she was like, I don't know. We were having a discussion about that one moment, so it kind of had an effect on me. Very cool scene. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, there's, I mean, quite a, a few cases, like, where yeah. something like that's happened, but the way I always thought about that scene was, like, he was, Pete was playing with it, and he probably right. shot himself. Yeah. It's just weird that it's the back. Or he and a friend were playing yeah, with it, and it was friend. an accident. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I think that those two scenes, the two scenes you've said, really go to show why especially in 99 and 2000 everyone's like m night Shyamalan is the next spielberg he is a master he's mm. like a wonderkind he's like the next guy and you know it didn't work out for him for for a variety of reasons but uh more for for later on in this episode and future episodes for that so my third favorite scene is actually the scene in the car uh, at the end of the movie where Cole is telling his mother his secret because I think Tony Collette is excellent in this movie and that's kind of her best scene. Yeah, I actually have this as my number one. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's it's so good and it really is like you almost expect her to not take it as well as she does and then he sort of brings the evidence of you know this is you know what your mother has said it, it's just I mean they're both actors they're just killing it in that scene uh, I, I didn't really see it as unexpected I very much expected her to accept it I think that the whole movie has kind of led up to that moment of uh, really I think the whole movie is following Haley Joel Osment like through this like ongoing trauma 
that is his childhood of of seeing all of these horrific things that have happened to people and not feeling like he's had anywhere to turn or anybody he can talk to about that. And his mom, the whole movie has, uh, you see it, her trying to reach out, her trying to get him to open up. And you can tell that she's so loving and so sweet with him, but that she's so frustrated at the same time. And so for him, like to see him finally really open up and tell her the truth and her kind of love him not in spite of it but let me ask you this because and this this thought just occurred to me do you think the father left because cole told him do you think it's a possibility either of you i think it's a possibility i i feel like it's just more likely that you know, these weird things happen around Cole and Cole is a weird kid and it causes a lot of stress and, yeah. and strife. And I think probably that was just too much to deal with. All right. I, I don't know that I would imagine that Cole had opened up to someone else because you do see that the relationship with the mother is very close. So I would imagine if he right. was going to tell somebody, it would have been her. Right. And we don't, we don't know a ton about the relationship with the father either because mm -hmm. he's Bruce Willis is, you know, or Malcolm is, is trying to dig in on it. And he's like, he's got the, was it the watch that he's wearing? The watch and yeah. the eyeglasses. Yeah. So, so I, would, I would think if he had told him something that personal and he had left because of that, that he wouldn't be carrying around mementos of him. Something to think about. So Jen, we know your number one scene. What's your number two? My number two was, um, it's kind of a longer scene, but the whole thing with um, Kira's funeral. So the little girl who's been poisoned by her mother. Uh, but we don't actually really learn that that's what's happening until the end of the scene. So um, I really liked the scene because I felt like that was a surprise for me that I hadn't figured out in the movie. So watching it, uh, kind of letting that, surprise happen on its own was nice for me but I thought it really tied up a lot of loose ends too like it brought a lot of the things that Cole was talking about earlier on back like like right at the beginning of that scene they're on the bus and Cole makes some comment to Malcolm who's sitting next to him and he says like she really came a long way to find me um, and then at the end Cole is like kind of accepting that he is able to talk to, to these uh, uh, people and then really help them to find closure. And that is going to make it easier for him to kind of cope with what's happening or to accept what's happening around him. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I'm going to actually jump on, on yours and, and give my number two, because it's the scene directly preceding that when, you know, young Misha Barton is kind of accidentally terrorizing Cole. Because I just, I saw the one by one, like the clothespins coming off the sheet and like yeah. how, how effective and suspenseful that is and how much better it ends up being because your expectations are then subverted, hmm. you know, because these, you can see how terrifying these experiences might be for Cole. And for Donnie Wahlberg, uh, you know, I forget the character's name, but yeah. Vincent Gray. Vincent Gray. Vincent, yeah. Yes. How this might fuck them up, like beyond help. And Bruce Willis happened to be, you know, Malcolm happened to be the, the right guy, the right ghost to, to help Cole out. Derek, what is your number two? I, real quick, I guess my question about the scene about yeah. the girl who got poisoned, the one question I did have was like, and maybe you guys are into this, I missed it, but who was, like, why, why was it being videotaped? Who who did that and why? She the was, little girl did it. So she knew she was being poisoned or she just knew something was foul and she decided to film I, it? I think she was just filming her puppet show oh, and left the right. camera okay, on. Yeah. See, I don't think so. I think that she suspected something because she you saw her like scamper into her bed really quick when she heard her mom coming she like pushed everything away so to me yeah. it was like she was trying to catch something happening it was so screwed up too when her mom's like well you know you get sick in the afternoon and i was like that's so effed up mm. um but anyways so i kind of cheated which i used to do in the past and i stopped for a while but now i cheated again and i actually have two scenes for my number two because i couldn't decide 
so the first one is the therapy scene, the first therapy scene where he has to take steps forward and back. That was uh, my number. That was my number three for so long. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I just thought it was so clever. Like that was that was the introduction, really, to like you know their the relationship. And I was like, oh, this is so clever. And he starts taking steps forward, and you're like, oh, he's gonna sit down, and they're gonna have this big discussion. And he ends up moving back and then leaving the room and being like, f you, I'm not doing this. Um, I thought it was really clever. Good, good um, direction there by M. Shyamalan, which I can't say very often in other movies. Um, but oh, <laughs> shot, shot at, at night. Oh, I, I, I don't hate him. I just think that most of his movies just don't have good endings. Um, but that's not to say I think I don't think his movies are good. Like, well, I guess we'll go into this a little later. But I'm sorry if I took this like wild shot. But I did like this scene. I thought it was really clever. So that's my number two. And I, it was tied with the scene in the beginning with Vincent Gray. Donnie Wahlberg blew me away. Gia was like, "Do you know who that is?" And I was like, "No." And she's like, "It's Donnie Wahlberg." And I was like, "What?" Because I remember him from, you know, what, uh, Dreamcatcher, where he plays Duddits. Yeah, he, he's I, like, he was, this is like the evil version of Duddits, I feel like. like, I these like he, yeah, I was like, he's great in that too. And I'm like, wow, he's, he was so believable in that opening scene. And then he shoots him and I'm like, oh my God, like what is happening in this movie? So that kind of that blew me away. So those two scenes were tied for number two for me. Jen, we know you're number one. My number one is, it's the twist. And it's so well crafted that scene where where Malcolm realizes that he is dead and it, it's iconic for a reason and it's it's so captured the public imagination and the like acceptance of like I've done what I need to do and I can move on and just like the intercut with the the his his death and like the blood appears it's so like it's 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 something and olivia uh olivia williams is in it and she's she's a great actress i've seen her other stuff and she has she has a kind of a nice scene there but yeah i I, that's that's my number one i think it's it's gotta be derek what's your uh, what's your number one my number one is the same as jen's um the do i make you proud scene um it kind of caught me in the jugular uh it's funny when the scene started because and Gia loves to do this, but when she sees movies that I haven't seen, she's like, oh, this is a good scene. I'm like, all right, shut up. Let me just watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that totally happened. And I was like, okay. So I watched it and I was like, oh man, this is like, this really holds. Gets you right in the feels. It really does. It, yeah. And it just, you know, and Toni Collette, she's just, she's brilliant in the scene. She's incredible in this movie. She's so good. And um, she says that line too, like, you know, you know, he's, he mentions, he, he sees the uh, the grandma and, and the dreams, and she's like, do I make you proud? Uh, it just, it was so much for me. I was like, oh, am I going to, I held it back. I held it back, but it was almost there. I almost started tearing up a little <laughs> bit, um, which I do in most movies anyway, so I'm not ashamed. Um, but yeah, great scene. That, that's my favorite. So that's my number one. Yeah. Excellent scene. Great choice by the both of you. Great choices overall. And that's what we liked about it. Let's talk about what we didn't like about it jen what's your least favorite part of this movie um so overall actually i really like this movie so i i kind of find this to be a little bit of a hard question um there's not a lot of things i think i would change but i think you and i are gonna definitely disagree on this um which also leads me into my recasting is malcolm's wife anna i do not think that this is a a good performance um so the scenes with anna are my least favorite part it's well because she's kind of purposely in a different movie which is why i think her best scene is when she actually talks with her husband i hate that scene really i hate it i think it's so fake just like i don't i mean she's talking to a ghost like what do you 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 don't want hyper realism Okay. I, All right. Yeah. You like what you like. Uh, Derek, what's your least favorite part? So, all right. All right. All right. So he's dead. <laughs> Malcolm's dead. Okay. Yeah. He's dead. Whatever. I knew he was dead because I had known the ending. Yeah. And as I was watching the movie, I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, so only this little boy can see him. But there were moments in it where I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. He's sitting in the chair and then the kid's mother sitting in the chair. And I'm like, well, how did that happen? How, how did he come in? And how is, did he say something to her and she didn't respond? I didn't like the way he, the director set this up. I just thought it was kind of like lazy. 
Um, if he's going to go full throttle, go full throttle. Like the restaurant yeah. scene is fine because the, the chair was open. He sat down. He starts to talk. She just happens to grab the thing before him. She says the thing to herself. Whatever. I get it. It works. I, I think he just kind of manifested. Like I think I think so. Yeah, because they there there's specifically like, and I think they even like flash back to the line during during the twist, if I recall correctly, where yeah, the jaw is like yeah, like they see what they want to see. They see what they want to see. And I think yeah. that that is a really important line when you look at all of Bruce Willis's actions throughout the movie. Like, I, I almost think of him as not being conscious prior to the time where he's just in the, in the room waiting for the therapy session. Because yeah. he talks about, he actually says in the movie, there's a line where he says, like, basically he's missing time. I forget how he words it, but it's it's to me it's like to me it's like almost like dream logic like you know you're in a dream and you're like you're in one room and you're in another and you don't necessarily exactly. yeah, yeah you're just there you're just seeing these things and you're perceiving these things okay but another thing i didn't like too and again if it if it's the way he intended that's fine but it didn't work for me and that's that when cole is talking to malcolm and the mother's in the other room like she doesn't hear him talking to nobody like I don't under I don't like that. I just well, he plays that. with the dolls. He plays with the figures. Yeah, and he's always uh, talking. I guess, but if she's like a good mother and like listening, I mean, I also don't think this is a new behavior for Cole. I yeah. think this is like she's a all, yeah, she's very also, established pattern of weirdness. Yeah, she's also saying, you know, I'm working two jobs. Like, how much is she she around? Just as like as a single mother, you know, trying to get by you know i guess but if i was the mother in the other room and i heard him be like yeah yeah no my dad didn't give this to me i'd be like what the fuck what what if someone was dolls about his father who left i'd be really concerned and i could go in the room again this is my gripe with it well you know when he's uh i I would my more concern would be you know if i was the mother if he he started speaking latin uh as one of the dolls that'd be that would (laughs) that yeah so my least favorite part is actually, and this is a little bit of a cheat, but, and it's funny because all of our least favorite scenes kind of, least favorite parts kind of s- sprout from the same scene, which is my favorite scene in the movie. My least favorite thing is not so much what this movie does for this movie, is what this movie did to M. Night Shyamalan and just kind of made him the twist guy. And it was mm. almost too successful for its own good, where it's like, you know, his next movie is Signs. And that is like, it's a twist. It's kind of a twist. But then after that, it's just off to the races where it's like everything has to have, yeah, what a twist. Yeah, that robot chicken gag. And it just, that comes from a place of like, this was so good. How can you one up that? And just the diversion of what this did to his career is probably my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I I really enjoyed his his first few movies, and then it really kind of went off the rails for me. <laughs> yeah, drew up. Uh, his new one coming up looks very interesting. It's like th- like this family goes to the beach, and like they just start aging rapidly for no reason. All right, so let's uh, let's do medals as we do each week: bronze, silver, and gold medal to the people that we think helped or benefited from the movie the most. Jen, who is your bronze medal winner? Uh, contrary to Derek's opinion, I went with M. Night Shyamalan. He wrote and he directed the movie. He also had this little cameo in it. I, I thought it was a really well-told story. It was suspenseful. Um, I'm a really big horror fan and I have watched a lot, a lot of horror movies. And I appreciate a horror movie that isn't really gory just to be gory. Um, so the fact that he can kind of build you up and and make it scary without having all that gore in it. Um, I really like it. Yeah. Kind of like the opposite. Like, I don't know, on the gore spectrum, he's like, if Eli Roth is one end, I'd put M. Night Shyamalan on the other. I do, I do wonder what would have happened, like, if, if M. Night Shyamalan came along five to ten years later in that you know, torture porn environment, would producers have been like, you got to throw more blood and guts in here. But it would have uh, been a different movie. Would have been a very different movie. Yeah. Because that's just like any movie made in 1999 and 2000 are like, you have to look at it like as pre 9 11. Like, what, what's the mood of the nation? You know, what's the mood of the audience? And he came along for this movie at just the right time. And I think if it came a little bit later, it's a totally different thing. But Derek. 
who is your bronze medal winner? So first off, Jen, you wound me because I actually do like M. Night Shyamalan in this one and in Signs. Uh, I guess I'll reiterate the the worst Both are his two best, yes. Yeah, the worst part yeah. of the movie I mentioned. That was Unbreakables kind of over here, like what the fuck? Well, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about any of those movies, to be honest with you. But the worst part of the movie for me, which I mentioned earlier, I was nitpicking, so I'm not like blaming him for this. It was just something that I had to find. But actually, my bronze goes to M. Night Shyamalan and the guy who did the score, James Newton Howard. I thought, um, yes, James Newton. You know, it's kind of like in, in Psycho how we talked about the guy who wrote that um, that that theme song. It was like, yeah. Are you done, are you done making noise, Jim? Getting ice cream. Jeez. Hi guys. Hi, I'm leaving the cell in, by the way. Get your ice cream and go. This is staying in the episode. I'm just kidding. I love you. Um, so just kind of like Psycho, you know, it's like uh, the theme song did so much for the movie. I feel like the score was really lovely. Like, I think the, the the really scary, like, opening sequence song was like, ooh, that's creepy. It's it's memorable. And then later on, he does some really beautiful, like, tones. And I was like, this guy's mm-hmm. really good. I thought he did a great job with the score. And then again, I had low expectations for this movie because I knew the ending and I don't really care for late M. Night Shyamalan movies. So I was like, well, see what happens. And I put it on and boom, I was like, whoa, this is like a whole new director for me. Um, so I actually thought he did a great job. So those two get my bronze. That's bold of you to give him a medal after you assassinated this character. I, how earlier. did I assassinate him? So I just said I, I so made a couple comments. You insulted his family. You said he was ugly. It was bizarre. I don't know why you did that. Uh, edit that out, Rick. I mean, sure, I'll edit that, but I'll, I'll keep my my rebuke of it in. So my uh, my bronze medal actually went to Tony Collette because she is like an absolute powerhouse in this, in everything. She's great, and you know she really kind of flexes her muscles when she's when she's given the chance she's great jen who you get for silver i gave my silver to tony collette um i thought she was really great in this role i think um that her character was both really warm and and you could see the love she had for her son but at the same time you could see like how frustrated she was how tired she was i love as much as like what she says and how she delivers her lines, she is really great with the nonverbal stuff that she does. Her facial expressions, kind of just her mannerisms, I thought yeah. were really great. In, in that this in movie. that scene in the car when she like puts her hands on her face, it's such it's such a powerful moment. Yeah. Derek, who's your silver? All the way around, Tony Collette. But I also gave it to Daniel Wahlberg as, as a tie because he said it. All right. I, I told you, like, state your case state your case okay i will so okay but tony collette let's talk about her because we are, we are silver all the way around for her oh uh, she got my bronze I, oh i'm sorry uh but she also like i she, i saw her in hereditary before i saw this you know what i mean it was just a, a w- random thing that happened and she does the same thing in that movie where like she's dealing with kind of a ghost type thing and she does such a good job with making you believe that what's happening is real and like you said, mm-hmm. Jen, her facial expressions are just, um, you know, she's just one of those class actresses that just knows what she's doing. She's not screwing around. She knows what she's doing. She's so excellent. But Donnie Wahlberg, so the opening scene happens and I watched it and I was like, holy shit. He, he's so believable as this character, the small part that he plays that in my brain, if I was directing the movie or casting it, I'd be like, okay, guys, we have the small cameo role, but we need somebody in there who knows how to fucking do their job. Because this could have easily been really cheesy and not memorable and not believable. And Donnie Wahlberg knocks it out of the park, in my opinion. And I was like, this is good enough for me to be in the top three because it's a very important scene. It, it, it lifts the movie off right there. If, he, if another actor had botched that, I would have been like, this is already kind of shitty. My opinion. Kind of wish it was Mark Wahlberg in his Calvin Klein's instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Mark Wahlberg naming off all the names of, the, uh, of Ted's, Ted's girlfriends. He's just what, like what her name might be. Yeah. <laughs> or he comes in, he's like, I thought a Vietnamese family lived here. I was coming to assault you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to Donnie Wahlberg's credit, I did not realize until years later that it was actually Donnie Wahlberg. See, that, that's my point. Like, uh, amazing. Like, he, he's not really an actor, but he is an actor because he's, uh, I don't know, a great job. All right. So my silver went to Haley Joel Osment. And he is... I mean, it's like one of the great child performances of all time. And great enough, feeling not great enough for you, Rick. Apparently not. He's killing me. Killing me. Well, listen, wait till I get to gold and let me make my case at that right. point. But yeah, Haley Joel Osment, he, I think, I mean, we'll get to Oscars and we'll have that discussion. But yeah, I, I mean, one of the great 
performances by a child ever, and he absolutely crushes it. Like, there's, there's not much to say. Like, he's got, like, every time he's on screen, you just want to, like, watch what he does next. It's great. I mean, we can we can move on, but I'm guessing, you know, Jen Gold? Haley Joel Osment. I think that he puts on an incredible performance in this movie, really for any actor. Like you keep saying child actor, but he puts on a great performance for an actor of any age. Yeah. I think that the range that he shows in this movie, the uh, different emotions that he's able to portray, and he he's so convincing in it. Um, you know, you really believe when he's scared that he's scared. You really believe when he's when he's sad and he really wants to tell his mom what's happening. Like you feel that pain that he is feeling. Um, I think he just does a really great job in this movie. So I definitely gave him my gold and he's just such a cute little kid. Yeah. Weird looking adult, but super cute kid. I, I would totally agree with you, but I just don't want to get put in jail. Now I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I think like you made a great point. Like he's, he acts with Bruce Willis as if like he's on his level. He's not yeah. like, oh, I'm a kid. He's like, I, he, everything he says, I believe he's witty. The way he says his words with confidence, um, you know, like I said, I hate to use child, but like for his age, like he knocks it out of the park. He, he holds his own. Totally. He reminds me of like a young, um, oh, what's her name? Gia, what's her name? <laughs> Dakota Fanning. You know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> She's like, he's like a young Dakota Fanning. Well, like you, I, th- I think, I, I thought as a young actress, like I believed what she said. Like you could tell she was schooled and acting a little bit. But um, it's sad to think that Michael Caine was like, you know, wins the award. He's like, Haley Joel Osment, we'll see you up here in Lady Years. And we're like, no, we won't. Um, but He's kind of making a comeback yeah. now. He's I recently so. been in some stuff. I saw him in, yeah. um, was, was that movie, Gee, where Justin Long becomes a walrus? Tusk? Tusk. Tusk. Yeah. Oh, um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Haley Tusk, Tusk is underrated. Movie. Jen, we're going to have you back on for the Tusk episode. <laughs> <Please. that. laughs> He's been in some way better stuff than Tusk. Please don't make me watch that movie again. <laughs> oh, we're doing every movie ever made. That's we're doing true. Tusk. We're doing Tusk uh, next week, by the I way. Guess, we're breaking guess, into the Oscars with Tusk. Yeah, I'm uh, still <laughs> waiting for Deathbed. <laughs> I, I guess my point was that's the only other movie I've seen him in. I guess I haven't seen a lot of his work. But again, he's my gold. If anyone else gives anybody else gold, they're stupid. But go ahead, Rick. Listen. Tell us how you're wrong. <laughs> the gold clearly should go to M. Night Shyamalan because, listen, Haley Joel Osment gives a great performance, but he is a child. Who do you think's getting that performance out of him? It's M. Night Shyamalan. Who do you think is creating these scenes, building this atmosphere? It's M. Night Shyamalan. The, the, the decisions that are made as to what you see on screen that are so effective, like those people hanging, like the suspense of the, the tent coming out. These scenes that we talked about are so good because of how he frames these things. And he has these great shots in the movie of like, it's like you'll be looking past something or looking through something that nobody else quite does. And Listen, Haley Joel Osment is so great, and he came, you know, in, in many other cases, he would get gold. But because of the unique stamp, especially at this point, when he, M. Night Shyamalan's on such a roll and has Unbreakable before this and has this, which is massive, again, people were saying this guy is Spielberg based on this movie. So I mean, that's why Spiel- I give it Spielberg, M. Night Shyamalan. Spielberg didn't make Lady in the Water, so clearly M. Night Shyamalan's not on the same level. I mean, um, Spielberg <laughs> has made some movies that I don't super love, but yeah, not, though, not, I, nothing quite that bad. I, I will agree with you on the level of, like, in Signs, I thought, I mean, I think the Culkins are the Culkins, but I think Rory Culkin did a pretty good job in Signs, and I'm sure M. Night Shyamalan did a lot to help him out. Yeah, um, so almost, point, almost like, point. what's the common denominator there getting? And, and the kid in Unbreakable as well. What's the common denominator? I Who can get good I don't think that the child acting in signs was at the same level as as it is in this movie. I I do not think any other child actor would have done this role as much justice. I can't disagree with you on anything that you've said about M. Night Shyamalan. I think he did a great job directing this movie. And and I think that the screenplay is really well written. I think that he has a way of kind of tying everything in. Um, Going back and rewatching the movie, you see like so many 
little references and connections to things that you'll see later in the movie that you, you don't pick up on until you watch it a second or a third time. Are we saying right now that if this movie was made in 1990, that Macaulay Culkin would knock this out of the park? Not in the same way. I mean, he's a comedic actor. He's, he, was I mean, in, he, was yeah. in, he was in Home Alone and The Good Son in the same year. Yeah, The Good Son is, I mean. Give me a break. Give me a break. He was awesome in that. I think Elijah would be better talking about The Good Son. What? what, what? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I would take Elijah Wood over Macaulay Culkin. Oh, you, you know what? In this role, Macaulay Culkin in a comedy, 100%. 100%. But Eli- he, if- he, he was an evil, evil kid in that movie, and he played it really well. That's hard to do as a kid. What, what was that noise? What was that noise? <laughs> you disagree? Most kids are evil. Most kids are evil, okay. Yeah. 100%, right. Derek, yes. All right. Yeah. all right, well, I guess we're moving on. Anyway, <laughs> yes, so I think we're all agreed now that Derek's wrong. Uh- <laughs> all, right. all right, it happens. All right, so that brings us to... One of my favorite parts of the show, recasting. Jen, you mentioned you had uh, you had some recasting. What did you have? So there's not a lot I would recast in this movie. I thought that the casting overall was was pretty good. I thought there were some really good actors in this movie. There was also like some names that you wouldn't have expected to see for the roles, like Donnie Wahlberg um, doing that little cameo at the beginning. But um, yeah, for me, I would recast Malcolm's wife, Anna. I don't think she gave a believable performance. I honestly couldn't even remember the character's name in the movie. Um, I had to look it up. I really don't think it even needs to necessarily be somebody really famous or well-known in that role. I don't think it's a really big role in the movie. Um, so a lesser-known person would be fine. But I guess if I had to pick a person, I might say, like, I guess they imagine something like Emily Blunt in um uh oh what's that movie girl in a train yeah yeah something like that i like that i like that derek you know who i was thinking in that role and this is really 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 random uh remember uh, uh, rick i'm assuming you saw heat yes um remember al pacino's wife in that yes i don't know why but i pictured that actress in this role i don't know why it's something weird anyways um you know it's funny i could see the the actress who played De Niro's girlfriend in that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that too. Yeah. As long as as long as they can bring some sort of uh, emotion. I yeah. Um, but so my turn, uh, and this is the third time I've done this. I am not recasting shit, but what I am doing is I'm doing the new Derek rule, which is if you can't recast, continue the story. I've continued the story of the Sixth Sense in one paragraph. The Seventh Sense. The seventh sense. So, okay, okay, the story continues. Malcolm stays in his house. His wife moves out because she's like, I don't want to live here no more. This bad memories, I'm leaving. But Malcolm stays because he's dead and he's like, I got it, whatever. I, I'm not gonna Does move. she move out with the guy from the antique shop? Yes, they get together. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm with you. Keep going. Okay. Um, so, new folks move into this house, and Bruce Willis's character, Malcolm, is like, WTF? Malcolm has no choice. Even with strong advice against this idea from an old lady who smokes cigarettes out of her neck hole, Malcolm calls Beetlejuice. (laughs) I knew it. I knew we were getting Beetlejuice. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a whole nother twist ending. Another twist. The ghost ghost Avengers. (laughs) Malcolm, (laughs) Beetlejuice, and Casper. (laughs) (laughs) And the space ghost shows up. Is he a ghost? I don't know. Who would play Beetlejuice? Michael Keaton. (laughs) But he gets, the the pay job he gets for this is outrageous. Nine years later, he's like, I want 10 million at least. It's a small cameo too, but he gets Mm. more Well, I actually did a recasting. Uh, I recast it as if I was going to remake it today. And uh, I'm going to basically say, just find a good child actor to play Cole. I wasn't even gonna try with that. That's um, I was like, I started googling. I I started googling child actors, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna put myself in jail right now if I continue with this. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. But I did. So I had uh, recast the roles of Malcolm and of Lynn, uh, Cole's mother. So for Malcolm, I wanted to have somebody because. Bruce Willis is so 
I don't want to say one note in this because I think it's it's on purpose and it does work for what he's trying to do. Or he just doesn't have any range. But go ahead. No, I think he does. I mean, this is this is so so different from John McClane, and you know, it's he, he's he's he has he has range, but he I think is purposely playing it very low key. And I wanted somebody who would be kind of. I mean, it, this is kind of like going to be a pun, but it's not meant that way. Like more, more of like a haunted performance. And I went with one of our old friends from an episode we've done and a guy who would go on to work with M. Night Shyamalan, and that is Joaquin Phoenix. Always a good choice. Always a good choice. I mean, you know what? Would it work? I don't know. But Joaquin is, is he's great. So I, I'm assuming he would dig, you know, he would, he would give a little bit more than one note Bruce Willis. Yeah, I think he'd be, I think he'd be different, but you know, he's I think he'd really dig into it. And for Lynn, I went with an actress who could give that sort of like emotional powerhouse performance, but I didn't want to necessarily want like a huge huge celebrity for it. So, I went with Carrie Coon, who if you saw the show The Leftovers, she was what the hell is your character? She was the character who would get shot with a bulletproof vest, and she was like kind of the main, ended up being the main oh, character. Yeah, yeah, with the dark hair. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and she's been in a lot of great stuff. She was actually a voice of one of Thanos' minions in the event in uh, Infinity War. I don't know if she could bring the same warmth. Uh, she was in the season of the show Fargo as a main character, and she definitely showed that. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't watch. Fargo. Yeah, I know you, you didn't watch it, but she was in Gone Girl as well. She was Ben Affleck's sister. Yeah, so she played his his twin sister. You know what? There's there's a bunch of people out there being like, "That's a great choice, Rick." I really just uh, like to me. Uh, I think the focus of the movie is is Haley Joel Osment. It's the hundred percent. The movie is from his view, really. I know it's supposed to be all about Malcolm but really it isn't it's about this child and and everything that he's going through and so I think that you need the other characters to give more of a subdued performance to allow like that to really shine yeah I could I could honestly if you get another kid who's not Haley Joe Oz, but it isn't like half as good. I don't think the movie would be. Yeah, no, no. He's the he's the center. That's why I'm not gonna like find a kid and be like, right. This is the this is the kid because like there are other. I mean, there are young actors and actresses out there that could that could play the role. But like, I'm sure. But I mean, I'm not a. I think Tony Collette was brilliant, but I can see like an Edie Falco type of actress in the. Yes. Yeah, I could see that, but you'd have to. Cole would have to be Italian. No, yeah. Falco, so she plays an Italian in Sopranos. That's it. Like, what the hell? Like, no, you know, no, she's she's honorary Italian. Everything she's n- in, she's n- Italian nurse now. Nurse, ja- nurse Jackie, she's Miss Goomba. You're right. Yeah, Nurse <laughs> n- nor- Nurse Jackie Ferragamo is her name, right? Is that? Is it? No, I'm fucking. Okay, I just made yeah, that up. I was like, oh no, shit! I'm, <laughs> shit. I'm in the weeds. I'm in the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> Called you on your shit. Well, we know, and we concede every week that not every movie can be the greatest movie of all time. We believe it's an official position of the show that every movie can do at least one thing better than every other movie. So what does The Sixth Sense do better than any other movie, Jen? This is the first movie that I really remember that kind of big plot twist at the end um, being a thing. So I think that in starting that, um, that was good. The best, the best end of movie plot twist. Yeah. Okay. All right, Derek, what do you have? This for me was the best movie that I knew a plot twist was happening in a movie that I saw. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. Um, not that that joke even landed, but, um, I guess, I mean, I kind of copped out on this one because like, I just wrote like, this is one of the better performances by a child actor. And I couldn't say it was the best because I don't know. I've seen because you've Ra- seen I've, Oliver. I've seen Jojo Rabbit, <laughs> and all the kids in that are a plus. Um, but that was I want to I want to recognize Jen's joke there. I was gonna just <laughs> you know what? It wasn't his fault. He had a girl singing his vocals. Yeah, that's that's the problem with it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, okay, okay. Jack Wilde is an awesome actor. Sure, he was good. Yep. 
right. yeah, I would say <laughs> I would say Haley Joel Osment is. I guess again, this is a cop out. It's not really the better than any movie, but I think he was the biggest surprise for me. I was like, oh man, like he's so good in this, and I didn't expect it. So there you go. Yeah, I I think I can one hundred percent say mine. It's the best. Uh, I would say it's the best M Night Shyamalan movie. Really, over Signs, huh? Mm. Yeah. I'd I would been... pick Signs. I think. I don't. Signs has some. This is my number two. Signs has some good stuff in it, but I think Signs has Signs is more uneven. I don't think there's the, like Signs. Signs has higher highs and lower lows. I think this is this is very good throughout, and I'd I'd put that I'd put it above Signs. I'd also I don't know if I'd say it's the best twist of all time, but I would say it's probably the best twist of movies that have been made in my lifetime. Hmm. Like I think I think probably just thinking of stuff that we've looked at i think psycho just that like the shower scene is like such a great twist and it's tough to compare to something like this i don't know if this is a twist but the the end of the movie the mist yeah i don't I know, know if it's a twist in the same way but or, it's i mean that's just, such a great ending yeah or more just screwed up and makes you feel awful for the next year yeah yeah so let us know what you guys think email us find us on social media but now Oh, and by the way, Twitter follow of the week, Haley Joel Osment. Oh, I thought it was like Christopher Walken. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was almost Walken. I had he was my he was my he was my <laughs> next one. So actually, now no, now we're going to talk about the Oscars. Haley, we know you're not doing anything, so come on. I'm all out of source today. I'm doing everything out of order. But we're going to go move on to the Oscars. And as we have been for the past couple of weeks, and will be for the next couple of weeks, because we're at the midpoint right now of our 2000 Best Picture nominees. Mm. And we're going to go through those at the end. We're going to talk about that category at the end of our series. But this movie does not win an Oscar, but it is nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Original Screenplay, and Editing. I think you could make a real case for them winning most of those. So Best Picture, we will discuss that in a couple of weeks. Best Director, M. Night Shyamalan is nominated. It is won by Sam Mendes for American Beauty. Other nominees, Spike Jones for being John Malkovich, Lassie Hallstrom for last week's episode of The Cider House Rules, Michael Mann for The Insider. What are our thoughts, Derek? Well, it's not The Cider House Rules. Let's just talk about that. Cider House. Cider House. I think we can, having another week to sit on it, I think I can definitively say The Cider House does not rule. <laughs> Finally. Um, I haven't seen The Insider yet, so I can't really speak on that, but we, we're doing that soon. Four know. really strong candidates. I, I would say, yeah, I don't know. I'm not trying to, I, all I'm saying is that he should be in there. I'm not saying he should win. I'm just saying he should be in there. I, I would personally say, for me, it's a toss-up between M. Night Shyamalan and Spike Jones. Uh, Jen, do you, are you familiar with these? Well, having never seen any of those other movies, um, not I'm going to go with John M. Night Malkovich? Oh, we get we to watch Being John Malkovich soon. But yeah, Emma Chamelon definitely you can make a case. Best actor, nobody's nominated. I guess it would have to be Bruce Willis. Anyone want to make the case for Bruce Willis? Nope. Nope. All right, moving on. Best actress, Tony Collette went for supporting, so I don't think there's anyone who would qualify necessarily. Best supporting actor. All right, here's here's the fun one. Here's the category. Because where you're putting Donnie? Yes, Donnie Wahlberg is nominated. No. So Haley Joel Osment is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. It is won by Michael Caine and his ridiculous whatever, whatever accent he was trying to do inside our house rules. How it's a did crime. He, how did yeah. Haley Joel Osment win this? This is like the stupidest thing in the world. Right. So other nominees, Tom Cruise and Magnolia, good performance. Meh. Michael Clark Duncan, Green Mile, mm. previous episode, and Jude Law and Talented Mr. Ripley. I gotta say, Haley Joel Osment should have should have taken it, especially Definitely. looking back. Especially looking back on it, is his career different after that? I don't know because he's in AI next, and that kind of flops. It'd be one thing if it was like, okay, Michael Caine, he had you know this long a career and he didn't get an Oscar. This was his second Oscar. Right, exactly. He didn't need this. And it's, he didn't deserve it. It's it blows my mind. It's one of the the weirdest Oscar categories I, I've seen. Uh, I mean, of those of those nominees, I think Haley Joel Osment. I'd give it a Haley Joel Osment. Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, should have. Yeah. Best Supporting Actress. Tony Collette is nominated. 
This is one by Angelina Jolie in Girl Interrupted. Mm. Other nominees, Catherine Keener in Being John Malkovich, Samantha Morton in Sweet and the Lowdown, and Chloe Sevigny in Boys Don't Cry. Well, seeing as how I've seen Girl Interrupted out of all those, I would say that at the very least, Angelina Jolie and Tony Collette are a neck and neck for me. Hmm. I'd agree with that. I think that Angelina Jolie was really good in that role. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I would give the edge to Tony Collette. I thought she was fantastic in this movie. Yeah, I think this is one of those years where just Angelina Jolie, it, this was like, everyone's like, we're going to make her a star. We're going to make her mm. not only a star, we're going to make her an a plus list star and you know it's it's like this was just part of that i can and it's a good performance i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue with it i think katherine keener uh could you could make a case for her as well because she's she's great in being john malkovich so those are the uh those are the major oscar categories now let's go on to the most important part of the podcast god help us all and that is when i use a stopwatch like a normal person. Like a an average, everyday guy who's trying to keep track of something. So not a Spotify song. Not a Spotify song. And we are going to put 30 seconds on the clock. And Derek is going to explain to you, our beloved audience, why The Sixth Sense is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready? Nope. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that that means nothing. Three, two, one, go. All right. So The Sixth Sense, creepy, airy, great storytelling, great acting by most of the actors. Uh, you, you, get, you get to see some of the great uh, performances by Haley Joel Osment, Tony Collette, surprise of Donnie Wahlberg, uh, eh, Bruce Willis, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, whatever. He's, he's, he's great in this. He's a great director in this movie. And uh, I think it's, well worth the watch. Great music, great storytelling. Go watch it. All right. 28.9 seconds. Man, great job, Derek. I can't believe the slander that not only you've put on M. Night Shyamalan, but on Bruce Willis. Uh, <laughs> one of our one of our one of America's favorite actors of the 80s oh, and 90s. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's I on, so he's a, yeah. <laughs> I read something in preparation for this about the reason why Bruce Willis was even in this movie. Do you know about this? No. no. He was going to, he had like some kind of contract to make a movie with Disney. Um, and they, it was a flop. Like he ended up firing everybody in the first three weeks and then they canned the movie. And to make up for it, he had to sign a contract saying he would do three movies. And The Sixth Sense was one of them to try to recoup the costs that they lost. It was like $17.5 million. Wow. I mean, considering the profit this movie made, I think I think Disney made out okay on that. But okay, yeah, so you're, you're, you're telling me I thought it was that. really interesting though. You're telling yeah. you tell me that Bruce Willis would have done a better job in this movie than say Anthony Hopkins, a real actor. Anthony <laughs> Hopkins was, first of all, a real actor. Derek. First of all, I would I would say Anthony Hopkins is too old for the role at this point. Okay, I no, agree. But, uh, and I, I, I've seen I've seen marriages old young go 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 and also Bruce Willis is not just there for like his acting he's there because he's a big name and he's getting funding for the movie oh okay so that's so, right. so, so so acting should just go on with funding I get you no no, no 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 it's I mean that's a big part of being that's a big part of being in a movie if he's yeah. a, he's a movie star and I think he's I think he does fine in this movie he's, he's fine he, he's fine I'm not bad in my, he's fine in this I don't think movie. he's bad in it no, and I think not, he's not bad and I think in later years, adequate. yeah, I, I would agree. I think in later years, he's given absolute shit performances. I'm not going to argue with you there. But I mean, up to this point, he's doing a lot of good stuff. Okay. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Next week, we're continuing our march through the 2000 Best Picture nominees with The Insider. And the fact that our first Michael Mann movie is not Heat I would have lost money on that. Well, how about the fact that our first Pacino movie is The Insider? Yeah, we were like, all right, (laughs) guys, you're going to do a movie. It's going to be directed by Michael Mann. Al Pacino's in it. It is The Insider. It's so funny. Yeah. So that'll be next week. I'm looking forward to it. I actually have not seen it either. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Is this the, well, other than Cider House Rules, this will be the the one we, we both haven't seen. Right. Derek, uh, we also, coming up, we have our sister podcast, The Greatest Album of All Time. 
yes, and uh, I guess the timeline is completely off right now, but we just released our seventh episode, I believe, which was The Doors, first album, The Doors. Rick, I think you mentioned that you listened to it. Um, I did. We, we just recorded our new episode. It was with our guest, uh, a friend of mine, Juliana Emeral, and we did Led Zeppelin 2, the second one. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, we're going to keep going and see where it goes. And of course, Rick's going to be on there soon doing uh, the live Unplugged Nirvana album at some point. Yep. Can't wait for that. Jen, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. We're definitely going to have you on again when we have a movie that you want to do. Absolute pleasure. Great to have you. I had a lot of fun here. And keep watching, everybody. I have been your co-host. Oh, God damn it. I'm only off today. I have been your co-host, the upside down and backwards and frazzled Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, the loose cannon, Derek Smith. And we've had my wonderful wife, the lovely Jennifer Barrasso. Keep watching, everybody. <laughs>